Hello there and welcome to the Ask Time Film Podcast. So we talk film, TV, games, and all that jazz like this. No tomorrow. This week we're talking about the rings of power. My name is Tom Ooh. and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. How are you this week? I'm doing great. I might sound different because I'm finally on computer <laughs> this entire Whoa. time. Whoa. What a twist. So I'm very excited to use this weekly. Well, you sound great on my end. So that's great. good. So let's let's begin an, a new era where we hopefully both sound good. So, Wings of Power. This series brings to screens for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth's history. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R.'s Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and takes viewers back to an era which great power... Oh my... Oh, I just... <laughs> I just looked. It's, it, the description's very long. Okay, um, we'll cut. We'll cut it there. We'll, we'll cut it there. That's that's good enough. Yeah, that's um, fine. That's fine because it literally just talks about. It literally talks about. It's just it's just entire. Okay, no, we're not. We're not doing <laughs> that. No, we're not doing that. No Brilliant. way. Brilliant. Okay, so Rings of Power. Spoilers ahead if you haven't seen it. What did you think? It was actually really good. You you know like I was a bit skeptical about like how they're gonna you know do something like that set thousand years before the original trilogy and the hobbit and how are they gonna you know build around tolkien's stories about middle earth and how is it gonna you know a prequel gonna set everything up and i thought it, it was really interesting how it was setting up with these characters throughout the show which i will talk about more i thought it had emotional impact yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, this this series has been the talk of the town for a long time, and you know, mm. first and foremost, Amazon has spent so much money on this how, show. How much? How much? I how think much? I think across so that the, the plan is five seasons. They've got a five season story oh, that's gonna that's you know okay. one one season every other year. I don't know. I guess it's gonna end somewhere around twenty thirty, which is just insane to think about, but. Reportedly, they have spent one billion dollars on the one billion dollars. One billion dollars. That is uh, absolutely insane. That's insanity. That's more money than has ever been spent on any early development of a show. That is just crazy. And I think yeah. that the main takeaway that I have from this is money well spent. Agreed. Yeah. Like oh, the CGI was actually well put in because nowadays you got cgi that is oversaturated in mm. every scene possible and you don't know what's going on but here in this tv show it is absolutely amazing the prosthetics like they actually brought back ideas from the original trilogy and thought you know the costumes the the orcs and makeup and like the style of it it was really well done yeah, I mean, we've we've already spoken about the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogies on the podcast, so you can listen to those episodes if you're interested in our thoughts. But basically, one of the things that we took out of the Hobbit, especially, was just that you know they used so many more visual effects, and it just doesn't look nearly as good as Lord of the Rings, which has so much more practicality to it. One of the things we spoke about was the orcs. Whenever the orcs are CGI in the Hobbit, it just looks distracting. And <laughs> yeah, just, like it's not the disgusting and you know like grimy creepy creatures that you the orcs you know that that we kind of see in the original trilogy but this show it brings for, for example it brings that back the orcs are amazing and their prosthetics are amazing there is uh, in episode three there's a whole sec section where arondir who is an elven character has been captured and is made to dig this tunnel by the orcs and you can just see all these orcs and they're so threatening and disgusting and 
just incredible. And yeah. This this show is really gory as well. Like oh. the show properly goes yeah. for it. And there are some sequences where you can see blood oozing out of wounds and dripping and it's amazing. Yeah, that is like really interesting how they brought that into the whole thing about, you know, the orcs and, and the gore as well. It's very different, you know. You don't normally see in Lord of the Rings trilogy. And what I love about Rings of Power, they explore everything like world building, characters, themes, and every part of these characters' relationships. I thought it was just well developed and I thought it was just worth exploring. And the best thing what Amazon did as well that they added lore into the Prime Video page. So like you can look through, explore yes. what they were talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is like just really good detail. There's a lot of elements that you know are really faithful to the original and they obviously changed some stuff as well i know that a lot of people don't like how they've changed stuff i mean it's an adaptation you know you got it there's not a single adaptation out there that doesn't change things take liberties and you know they've added characters and they've changed details and i think that that's really interesting in some cases some cases i'm a little bit less sure we'll talk about that you know particularly involving sauron we'll talk about that a bit later but they definitely do change things. But I think that while I don't think all the characters are very well realized, I think that they're all very well acted. And, and it's, it's a wonderful cast that they've brought together. And I hate that we have to do this again, but I just want to say for all the racists out there, shut the fuck up, man. Racists and sexists, people talking about, you know, like, oh, we're having black elves and female characters with any agency in the plot. Please just get out like this space isn't uh, for you like you know yeah uh, middle earth and this kind of content is for every everyone we talked about this when it came to kenobi it seems like oh, we're talking about this yeah. a lot and it's just like i hate having to say it but we've got to say it and it doesn't bother us at all i really thought that there were so many great characters in this yeah and yeah that is really sad to see like I don't use Twitter anymore, but I was like on Instagram and there were some people that were doing stupid and wild takes and it was just so racist. Like they were talking about he was the dwarf. Durin? That, not Durin, but he was married to... Oh yeah, uh, Disa. Disa. Yeah, that's the name, Disa. And then people got really mad about it. Like, oh, yeah. why are we having a black dwarf? Like, shut up, man. This is for everyone. You're supposed to get mm. everyone in. Yeah, this is not tolerated here, so... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I want to use that as a springboard, though. Let's talk about the dwarves first and foremost. Let's kind of go through every plot line. I think the dwarves story was my favorite part of the show. And oh, really? I think that, yeah, like I really, really liked the friendship between Elrond and Durin. I like the way that they realized Khazad Doom. Obviously, it's easy to forget Ooh, that yeah. when you watch Lord of the Rings, this is Middle Earth, way past its prime. When you look at Minas Tirith and Moria, you look at all these places and they're beautiful and they're stunning. But in this show, you see that, that they, in their prime, were just incredible. And, you know, I think the dwarves have like a really good conflict about whether to help the elves, you know, or like stay with their own selfishness. And I think, you know, particularly following Durin and Disa and just like this kind of corner and their struggle or particularly Durin's struggle with how he feels about the elves. I thought that was so, so good. Yeah, I thought that dwarf storyline was actually well done. Like how they explored, you know, what you said about the relationship between Elwan and Durin. It was a great way of like setting up, you know, the relationship between, you know, the elves and the dwarves in that time before, you know, the Hobbit, because the Hobbit had the conflicting relationship between 
the the elves and the dwarves, which wasn't explained in the theatrical cut of the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's barely explained in the extended edition. I think we get a lot more about it here, and it's a lot, and it's a lot less black and white in this show. It's not just like, oh yeah, the elves didn't help the dwarves or whatever, and like yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about that. And you know, there are some amazing scenes, like one of my favorite scenes early on in the show. I think maybe episode two is when Durin and Elrond, Elrond has lost the rock breaking contest and Durin is escorting him out. And Elrond's like, listen, I, I, we were friends. I don't know why, I, whatever I've done to you, I'm really sorry. And, and Durin's like, you know what? It's been 20 years. And to you, that might be a blink of an eye, but I've had a life in that time. And you just don't care. And you only come back now because you want something. And I think that's just really interesting. Like you don't in no other kind of Middle Earth material, you know, particularly on screen, we, we haven't explored that. We haven't explored the fact that, you know, elves are immortal and just kind of don't understand the way that mortality is. But it's interesting that this show confronts the elves with that. They confront them with the idea that their light is fading and that they may become mortal. And what will they do to save themselves? Yeah, that was one aspect that we hadn't explored. And I'm glad that we did because it, it just went out over our heads. It reminded me, you know, that relationship in The Hobbit between forgot her name and the the, the, the dwarf yeah, yeah, yeah the sure. tariel and keely yes that relationship i thought that wouldn't work if the elves are immortal and they just mm. see their loved ones go and i thought you know in this one it was a great way of you know showing that like oh they are immortal how are they going to revive their relationships with other people that have been long gone and a hundred years is like nothing to them and they, they could be gone you know it, it was like well explored during he had two children he was married and then our one didn't get to see of that and i thought that was really emotional yeah, yeah absolutely and you get those emotions throughout like when elrond finally tells Durin the truth and he says our, our, you know our light is fading and Durin realizes that he holds the entire fate of the elves in his hands and he just kind of has to sit down for a moment and it's like so you know you're telling me that this is like this this decision is going to affect all these people and it's a really big thing for him and then at the end when Durin the fourth king Durin won't let Durin the third uh prince durin there's so many durins man there's Durin, <laughs> so many durins yeah uh he won't let him mine for the mithril and elrond is just a great character and he's really understanding oh he's, yeah you know, he's a wonderful friend and he's just like I-, I get it i understand and durin is crying and elrond is like we don't say goodbye and it's oh it's, it's just a wonderful moment and i think that for me that was the best storyline in the in the show i thought it didn't miss a beat and obviously it's all visually beautiful but i loved seeing Kazad doom and the architecture and there's a great scene where disa sings and she prays for oh, the yeah. for the people who've been trapped in the mines for them to come home safely and that's just brilliant just wonderful i love how this this show explores aspects of middle earth that we've never seen before i think that's its strength when we get things we haven't seen before i think that's great but there are definitely times where we do get things that feel a little bit repetitive from the past and i think that like for me my least favorite part of the show particularly early on was probably the southlands like those human characters yeah i really didn't connect particularly with bronwyn and theo i just wasn't really vibing with those guys yeah, I agree. I wasn't sure where the story was going to go in- into the Southlands because it was very hard to connect, as you said, you know, with these characters. I felt like they didn't have, like, you know, a bigger purpose into the mm. story. Like, okay, why are we following them? What's their wants and needs? It was very hard to connect with that. But then we've got which elf character? Arandir. Barandir. 
I swear I spent the first like half of the season like who are you who what's your name yeah exactly <laughs> that, that was me I was trying to get everything well, because, like, okay well because you you watched it all this week right yeah. yeah yeah so like you're still learning and I've had I've had five weeks where I've been like okay Aaron Deer, Bronwyn Sadek like I'm just like naming all these people and it's like uh but if you have subtitles on that would greatly help you get yes. to know those characters' names. But if you're trying to follow the story, I would recommend using subtitles because you'll get characters' names. But anyway, yeah, the Southland story was just empty. <laughs> Until Galadriel came into the Southland story, there was a purpose for that. Like, she wanted to lead the humans and save them. And the story with Halbrand into that as well. We'll get into Halbrand. Halbrand is an entire... He's an entire thing. Yeah, but I think, yeah, we'll I think that, that. that storyline, as it progresses, gets better. Like, you know, at the beginning, it didn't really feel tangible that this town wouldn't wouldn't care about any of it. And the only people who care are Arendir and Bronwyn, who have this relationship that wasn't, like, in moments I felt it was good. But other than that, it just kind of felt a little bit just there for the sake of it. And, you know, there were a couple of moments in episode six where, where it did feel like it was, like, a real relationship and they yeah. had, like, chemistry. But other than that, and I have to say Theo, my God, the amount of time Theo annoyed the <laughs> hell out of me with that sword. What are you doing? <laughs> Like, I have no idea. It, it's it's just so funny. Like you you don't know what he's doing, and then you're like, why are we following this character? And then he finds this hilt in his house, and then the old man was like, you know the hilt, and like, uh, no, no, I don't know the hilt. Like, well, it it's mine, okay. That was it. That was basically the dialogue. That was it. Like between yeah. the old man and the Theo. If Theo right. was like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, it was a very strange thing. And I was, I, I did spend a lot of the time in that bit, just like, I don't know where we're going, you know? It did feel very surface line. And I think that episode six is probably my favorite episode of the show. And episode oh, six definitely. just made it all worth it. Like, you get some stellar action. And I think it's the first time that I really felt the relationship between Bronwyn and Arendir. You get the moments where they're together. I felt like that really hit. And you get the brilliant scene where Bronwyn has been hurt. And they're having to like seal the wound, and and you know, and and, and you get the Numenor plotline converging with the Southlands, and the brilliance of the end where Theo realizes that they don't have the hilt, and the hilt is used to open the water, which all floods into the mountain, which activates Mount Doom. Amazing, just Amazing. brilliant. Like and that is just a perfect balance of giving us like setup for the future and things that we know, like, you know, you, you recognize it's Mount Doom, and you know, it's a big thing. And it's also perfect, you know, culmination of all these arcs that have all been driving to this point. Just brilliant. Another thing to add that, you know, the way how it sets up Mount Doom early on into the show, you get to see the orcs using elves as slaves to dig up like a tunnel. And you're like, mm. oh, are they finding something else? Uh, I don't know. And then it just unfolds into place, which is like, oh my god, they were using yeah. the tunnel, using for water to get into Mount. That is great visual storytelling, right there. I yeah, that just... it's it's a really it's a really good build up, and that's a really good part of episode three as well. Like the elves are trying to escape, and the orcs are making them cut down this tree. And elves really love nature, and they love, and, and so like ah, yes. it's a really big thing. It's a really big deal for them to cut down this tree, and Arandir touches it, and it's a really solemn moment. I thought that was just really beautiful. And you get a lot of horror elements with the tunnels, and all oh, the orcs yeah. creeping about, and there's a great sequence with Bronwyn and Theo when they're hiding in a house, and there's an orc, just one orc, 
you know, stalking them, which I thought was really cool because in the past we have seen people take down so many orcs, like, you know, mowing them down easily. And in this one, they struggle just to get one. And I feel like that was, again, just really cool way to spin what we've seen before, but in a different perspective. Yeah, there was like more horror elements, as you said that helps to you know show these orcs as terrifying there's that really horrifying sequence where arundir is struggling against the really big orc and it's bleeding all over him which is just like so so cool and so gory but then they find out that the orcs that they've killed so far their blood is red not black and they find out that they're killed oh, they've been killing yeah. like that like their own people and it's just like absolutely gut-wrenching it's like oh no they were killing each other this entire time. And the way it slowly builds into, like, the idea that they were fighting this entire time. And then the orcs sneakily, like, taking them out and, like, oh, yes. They start shooting them all. And, you, you know, you get a lot of, like, people mowed down. And, obviously, Bronwyn gets shot. And, like, that's a great sequence. There's so many cool sequences of bows and arrows in this show. There's a oh, great bit where... Of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know, like, I know. Arendir saves Bronwyn and Theo, who are running from loads of orcs, and they're going through this forest, again, visually beautiful, the forest and the mist, and somebody shoots an arrow, and Arendir catches it in midair, and then shoots it back. It's so, like, elves have always been... It's so been, cool. It's so yeah, cool, man. Elves have always been ridiculous and gravity-defying and just really cool. Uh, we spoke, obviously, about Legolas you know climbing up falling debris or bouncing between barrels or sliding down stairs on a shield or you know all these things and in this show we get loads of that like when arandir corners all the orcs into the tower and he kind of like jumps down and locks them in and blows the tower up just really cool action so cool man yeah i i it was so cool i agree i've got to say the direction Brilliant. We have three oh, directors direction. here. Yes. J.A. Bayona, who you might know from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Wayne Yip and Charlotte Branston, they just really brought it. And the sequences they did, there's just some, it's just, it's all so stunning. And I think that they were just amazing. Yeah, the direction. They put so much time and heart into this. And mm. I can tell, you know, with Amazon and the direction and, you know, the cast, I, I bet they wanted this whole thing to work. And, I thought there was a lot of passion into it. Absolutely. And then obviously they go back into New Zealand, which is great. You know, actually from here, it's not going to be shot in New Zealand. It's going to be shot in Scotland. So okay. I, hope that, I, I hope that it still looks great. But I'm, I am obviously upset that it's not going to be New Zealand anymore. Yeah, but we're watching Andor at the moment. So yes. we can't wait to talk about Andor yeah. in the upcoming weeks. Which has also got a few sequences in Scotland as well. Yeah, great place to film in Scotland if you want to get like really cool mountains and rivers and stuff. Yeah, it, I, it's, it's really cool. I, I understand why they're filming it there, but why not film in New Zealand where <laughs> the whole thing was set in, you know, like in yeah. the original trilogy and The Hobbit, they actually went back to New Zealand like, yeah, uh, yes, like it's a... ha it had that vibe. It had that aesthetic. Yes. yes. Yeah, and, and it's a really good source of income for New Zealand businesses as well. Apparently, there is some behind-the-scenes reason, which I don't know much about, but apparently, yeah, like, they've chosen not to go there for some stupid reason, but, like, that's, that's a real shame. I want to kind of go back to the ending of episode six, the volcano exploding. Amazing. I, I do want to say, I wish more main characters had died. Obviously, you can't kill oh. Galadriel. You can't kill Elendil. I know that Isildur is missing, but we know that he survives. We've all watched Lord of the Rings. But, of course. you know, yeah. Theo survived. Bronwyn survives. Arondir survives. 
one out of two of Isildur's friends survives. I uh, forgot the guy who, who got killed. Yeah, I can't even remember his name. I think his name's like uh, Osimo R.I.P. Or something. R.I.P. <laughs> uh, Rest in peace, guy. King. I guess the worst thing is that the queen Muriel is blind, so that's that's definitely one of the things that they do. Yeah, do. she she <laughs> can't see. Well, we didn't see that coming. That's a terrible joke. We'll segue <laughs> into uh, yeah, more characters. Yeah, I feel like there wasn't any weight pulling you down with these characters. Yeah. Like there was no tension, or you feel like, oh no, they're gonna die. We don't want to see them die, and then just survives. Like Hellbrand yeah. survives. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I survives. think. That- it's interesting because we are one fifth of the way through. This is five. There's five seasons, five parts, and I think that once we have all five seasons, I think it's very possible that we're going to look back on the entire thing and understand every single thing. But we only have season one right now, and we have to now wait about two years for season two. And I think that the main downfall of this season is it doesn't really function on its own as a complete season like the ending is like there, there's so many loose threads that obviously you know they they close a lot of stuff and they open it for the future but there's a lot of loose threads and i feel like the show in its pacing it really you know it it gets kind of slow around the middle episode five i thought was probably my least favorite episode because it was just so slow and you know the the, the plot lines hadn't converged yet and the whole thing was continuously building to something that it felt like we were spending too long building and i feel like the characters another thing at this point there is no real danger you know we know that all the characters are going to survive because the show hasn't really killed off anybody major and i do feel like hopefully when we get into season two hopefully we can you know start giving some like bigger stakes for people i, I think there are two deaths of character of named characters in this entire thing like and good, I don't know what guys. the names. <laughs> uh. Well, there is well, there is one death that I thought was really good in episode eight of Sadak Burroughs, one of the Harfoots, oh, which yeah, which I brings us now. yeah, which brings us to the Harfoots. Oh, let's get into the Harfoot story. I thought this is a good story. It wasn't the best, but I thought it was it blended very well into the world of this TV show and the idea of the Harfoots. I thought they, they were just traveling around. I thought that was a, an interesting concept because they are ancestors of the hobbits. So they walk and they survive and they were, you know, the beginning. And then we get to see, you know, the hobbits living in the Shire. And I thought that would be an interesting journey, you know, how we get from there to Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, you know, how they got there. And I think that would be really interesting, you know, to explore yeah. those five seasons as well. And the Harfoot story was, there was a lot of emotional Im- impact for me because, you know, yes. we get to see this Harfoot called Eleanor Brandyfoot. And yes. she finds this mysterious man called yeah. The Stranger, mm-hmm. which we don't know the name yet. Oh, 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 we oh, do. Oh, oh, oh we, we do. do. It's not official, <laughs> but, but did, I don't know if you official. caught the, the bit at the end. Well, because like they say that he's a wizard, right? And yeah. he's 100% Gandalf. And I'll tell you why he he's is. Gandalf. He is. Of course he is. At the yeah, end, there's a really, really beautiful bit where he says, let's go that way. And she says, why? He says, the air smells sweeter down there. When in doubt, always follow your nose. Which oh, is an yeah. exact, that's an exact Gandalf quote 
from Fellowship of the Ring. There is no way they didn't put that in there because like, you know, the way that he delivers the line, the way that they kind of linger on it, he's Gandalf. There's no way that of he's course he Gandalf. Is. Of course he is. And I think oh. that there's really, really beautiful, like especially, so there's, I think one of the best sequences in the show is when one of the Harfoots, Poppy, she sings this song. She sings oh. this wandering oh, day. Oh, that was great. That was great. And that was you just get this great. sequence of the Harfoots traveling. Again, the, the locations are beautiful and they're struggling through. They're trying to push their carriage and the stranger is helping them and the music is beautiful and you see them all laughing together and being wonderful and there's this this really really beautiful bit where the stranger is looking up to the sky looking to the stars and the music and you know like that is one of the greatest sequences in anything middle earth it was so so beautiful the visual storytelling was top notch and like i don't know is it, i think it's episode four or five um, maybe five it just it was you know absolutely a highlight for me yeah i'm really glad that we got to explore you know the stranger and his powers because this is the early stage of gandalf right here that we're seeing like yes. that is crazy because if you think about you know gandalf as a wise old powerful wizard you know in the lord of the rings and the hobbit he was very powerful but if you get to see like the early stage he could be unpredictable like you know that's what we're seeing in the in the show he's unpredictable and he's got these powers and he didn't know what he's doing with them until episode eight uh, yeah i think i think episode eight he kind of you know because he destroys yeah. the witches doesn't he yeah, so i think so that's he's... the first time that he's properly kind of getting some sort of handle on his powers and he he gains some more of his intelligence yeah and I really love that he builds this relationship because if you think about it, this could be why Gandalf loves the Hobbit so much. Exactly. From the first day. Yeah, because the first time that he was in Middle Earth, they were nice to him and they were kind. And even though it's their ancestors, you know, he's. I like the idea that Gandalf has followed them, you know, and journeyed with them. And I spoke to somebody who said this is early on in the show and they were like, oh yeah, the Harfoot's just female Frodo and Sam. It couldn't be further from that. I really love the the Harfoots have this ideology towards strangers of the, the, this really distrustful nature to them mm, and yeah. they're still very kind of like wide-eyed and like you know and and in the in Lord of the Rings you do get that kind of similar like keep your nose out of trouble and no trouble will come to you that kind of thing but in this you know Bilbo and Frodo as protagonists they're not jumping for adventure you know they're not like oh yeah I want to see the world whereas Nori is a very different kind of protagonist because she does want to see the world. And she, at the end of the day, she's just a kid. You know, like, it's easy to forget that Bilbo and Frodo, they're men. Like, you know, they're like, they're, they're adults. In the books, Frodo's in his 50s in Lord of the Rings. Whereas... Wait, 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 what? Yeah, Frodo's like 50 in Lord of the Rings. Oh. I, yeah. I did, so like, I didn't know that fact. Okay, the more yeah, I learn. So, ah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, you know, casting people like Elijah Wood and, and all the other hobbits in, the, in Lord of the Rings, it makes them seem more innocent. It gives them a wide-eyed nature because they look so young. However, it is worth saying that in this, Eleanor Nori is so much younger and you have that contrast of Sadduk and the older Harfoots who are more distrustful. And I love that they turn around on that. And they end up helping her and they all go off together. There's four four of them. And Sadduk's death was pretty emotional. You know, he gets stabbed by one of the witches and he helps them out. But eventually, you know, his wound is is just is too dire. And he sits down and he's like, I just want to sit and watch the sun come up. And they all sit with him and the sun comes up. And again, beautiful, just absolutely 
beautiful scene and it really cinema. really made me emotional <laughs> absolutely cinema of the highest order <laughs> you can hear me just like in the background wait wait wait, wait. cinema <laughs> i just sound like a madman just like trying to explain someone about like you the are best a film madman of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's absolutely beautiful uh, yeah. that sequence you know like it was gandalf in his early stage and he has no idea what's happening and he's led by Harfoots and mm. it was really beautiful linking to Gandalf and the Harfoots and then linking to you know the Hobbits and it's going to be a really really excellent journey you know how you know he creates that relationship between them it would be worth exploring in the second season you know how much he grows and how he you know controls his powers as well and he got the staff he got a staff did he, yes did he, he did staff? yeah no the staff the staff disintegrated Oh God! <laughs> well, I there is that. <laughs> there is that moment, very brief. Well, I guess like for the first half of episode eight, you know, they reveal the stranger is Sauron. And oh, Sauron! I was, <laughs> I was, I was definitely like, this doesn't seem right. Sauron, um, you know, he's too innocent to be Sauron. I never he's doubted. He's too innocent that... to be Sauron. Yeah, I never doubted. It was Gandalf. Like it, it couldn't be Sauron. And I think that's a good time for us to actually talk about who is Sauron. <laughs> Let's talk about Halbrand. Obviously, we get the reveal in episode oh, eight boy. <laughs> that Halbrand is indeed Sauron the Deceiver. I'm a little bit bothered because the way he was setting up to be Sauron, you definitely knew it was Halbrand. Like, mm. since the idea when Adar, oh, Ad, what's the orc name? Adar. Adar, yeah. Adar, when he asked, like, who are you? And then he doesn't respond. And then we'll never know why Sauron was about to kill Adar. You, you know that scene where he gets him and then he's about to kill him. But then Gladio was like, no, we need him alive. And then... <laughs> Uh, I love, I love that. I love, I love your two voices for Gladriel. No, we need him alive. <laughs> it just fits, you know, with Gladriel. It does. In the Lord of it does. We will yeah. talk about Gladriel. A little yeah. side note, I want to say, I thought Adar was a really cool villain. I like that oh. he's kind of like a split between orc and elf, and he still has those elf tendencies. You see him kind of planting the seeds before the battle at the beginning of episode six, and or maybe it's in episode five, I can't remember. But also, you know, he's like, you know, the leader of these of these orcs, and you know, he does have this darkness to him. I really like that. I really liked him as a character. Yeah, and it was really interesting how he was like the first elf orc. Erdan, mm. is, it, is, it, is it called... Is that Uruk? I think similar, Uruk, similar, yeah, similar oh, to like Uruk guy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Halbrand is just so so interesting to me because I spent the first half of the season being like, I don't care about this character. I, I don't care. I just, yeah. Who is this man? No, I just oh. spent the entire. I spent the entire time being like, this guy is just. Well, he just beat like Aragorn. I was like. Oh, he doesn't want to be king, but then he is going to be king. And so, on the one hand, I am happy that they did do something different with him. Yeah. However, this is just not how I imagined it. And I feel like, you know, I may become more okay with it as, as time goes on, but it's always been a thing. This is something that Tolkien wrote, that Sauron came to the elves as Sauron the Deceiver. He had a different name. I can't remember the name, but he came to them and he persuaded them to make the rings. This is like the whole thing, right? And, yeah. And this is like, this is why that they were deceived. This is why we see it in the beginning. But this is not how I imagined it at all. I imagined him being more fair than Halbrand is. You know, I imagined, because Halbrand was so suspicious the whole time. I don't think that Sauron the Deceiver should be that suspicious. But 
Yeah, the, I think that I, I don't know. I think the whole reveal that Halban was Sauron was just a bit clunky and I just wasn't sure about it. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it as well. Yeah, we get that whole sequence where Halbrand takes Gladriel through her memories and they kind of like confront things. And I was just kind of like, I just don't know if I was really that gripped by Halbrand the entire time. And <laughs> it was just that shot. One of the final shots of the show of Halbrand walking to Mordor with this like black cloak on he just looked so stupid he just really, really uh, did and uh, i just yeah. don't imagine i just don't imagine when you see sauron in <laughs> lord of the rings in the prologue and he's he's massive and he's got this huge helmet i don't imagine under it it's just you know the bearded beautiful face of halbrand i'm just like what what's going on and apparently the actor of halbrand didn't even know halfway like, half the time when they were shooting didn't even know that he was going to be sauron oh. so like I feel like maybe if they'd have told him, he might have been able to play it a bit more sinister and a bit more suspicious. But I don't know. I just didn't. I just wasn't vibing with that, really. It's so strange. Why didn't they tell him? Because this would have made his acting choice like, oh, okay, so I, I, I got to be like, you know, very dark or a bit charming. But that's a very strange thing to do, not telling an actor that you're going to be the the villain of yes. the whole, the whole story of like Tolkien's world you got to be the main villain yeah like it's yeah, like that's it's crazy like yeah, saying like he, <laughs> he's, he's not even he's not just a villain for rings of power you know Sauron is the villain in Lord of the Rings like you know he he transcends this show it's such a big role that you can't you know it just felt <laughs> off to me I'm gonna have to spend time getting used to it and I know this is the show's done it now he's Sauron that's it we're gonna have to get used to it but I just wasn't vibing with this whole thing of him being the deceiver. And that's just not how I imagined it. And that's okay. That's fine. It doesn't have to be what I wanted it to be. But I'm just not, I'm not there with it yet. And I feel like hopefully seasons two till five will make him more of a terrifying antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, it's like not telling Josh Brolin that he's going to be Thanos yeah in, in the film exactly anyway, yeah you know it, it, it's like it's like saying to hayden christensen okay you're playing anakin skywalker and that's it and he's like okay hey isn't anakin skywalker darth vader no what do you mean no no that's like like it, i feel like there are so many intentional points in the star wars prequels where hayden needs to play these scenes dark you need to see that this guy could become darth vader same in the clone wars you've got to see that anakin has that darkness within him and you don't really get that yeah you don't get Halbrand. that vibe i don't you feel don't... like like he might be a little bit brutal in, in when he, beats he might up those be a guys bit sus. in numenor but but like yeah i just wasn't i'm not feeling it but let's let's talk about numenor in general another beautiful element of the show yeah. like numenor oh, looks you... looks just whoa whoa, whoa. whoa. What? Sorry. Well, that is that is money well spent once again. I sound like Ma I sound like Mario, just like what? <laughs> but yeah, sorry, sorry, that doesn't sound like Chris Pratt at all. Mushroom Kingdom, here we go. <laughs> oh, um, we will uh, yeah, talk Numenor. about the Mario movie. Sorry, we'll we will talk about we the will. Mario. We, we year, will next year. We, we will. currently have it scheduled for episode one hundred and forty. So mark your calendars, my thirtieth of April, twenty twenty three. We're talking about Mario. That's a that's a promise. That that's a promise. We will talk about Chris Pratt in his Mario form. Anyway, <laughs> Numenor. Yes, money well spent. Like the world Absolutely. building. I, I'll talk about the world building 
like again and again and again like it's so good like it's so beautiful like with the castles with you know it's like in the air and then the massive statues of the people in Numenor like maybe the kings or or the queens and it was like really really interesting like how they yeah. you know used all of that and money well spent absolutely uh, well, you can you can see again like with Kazadum, like with the elf like with linden and the other elven societies we see you can see how this becomes what we see in, in lord of the rings you can see how numenor that architecture becomes what we see in minas tirith and in gondor and it's all just so so compelling and you know, I think that with Numenor, you get some great characters. I love I love Queen Muriel, her being plagued by this vision of Numenor flooding and, you know, her wanting to help because she feels like her duty, how she deals with her blindness. I really like her. I really like Elendil and Isildur, getting to see them at the prime of their life. But I have to say, other than those three characters, Numenor was a drag. <laughs> like, we spend like... <laughs> We spend like three episodes there when we only really need one or two, maybe one and a half. And like, there are just so many characters. There's like Isildur's sister, there's the king, there's Isildur's sister, there's the king, there's like Muriel's cousin, there's Isildur's friends. Like, there's so much going on in Numenor. And we also have to follow Halbrand and Galadriel. And it's just like, guys, guys. And, and the fact that half of it doesn't even come back, you know, like half of it barely has any bearance in the rest of the plot. It just, it didn't feel right. There's one thing that really annoyed me was at the end, Isildur's sister. Yes. I don't know their names, man. Isildur's <laughs> sister, she helps the king and then the king's like, <laughs> sorry, that made me laugh, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I'm so going look at the ball. And then he just dies. But he, yeah. um, a soldier's sister just looks into the bowl, and then we don't know what happens. Mm. We we never know what she look into. We will never know. I guess we'll find out because you know we know that in, in season two to be continued. <laughs> electric well, Boogaloo. There's there's a lot of loose threads. Like that's a loose thread. There is the three oh. rings. That oh, we there's see the so very... many loose threads. There's, there's so many the, loose threads. There's the the Balrog. There is the uh, Nori. What? What am I hearing? Why are you so far away? John. John. Here we go. Here John. we go. John. Where are you? I'm so far away. Help. No. No. But anyway, uh, to be honest, yes, there's so many plot holes. Like, I might sound like an idiot, but how did Erendil escape? Escape where? Wait, when? What? How did he escape from the? You know, building the tunnels. Um, I don't remember. It was weeks exactly, ago. exactly. <laughs> oh my god, John, you have too much power with this new microphone. I, I, I'm sorry, uh, using I the volume levels perfectly. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll... I'm sorry for people who are listening. I am very loud, but I, I, I can just remember. I, I remember him running through the forest. I can't remember how he actually escapes. Exactly, exactly. That's how I was like, wait, did I miss something? Because I watched this in th- through this entire week, and I was, I'm still thinking about. How did he escape? Like, there's no flashback, no anything to explain how he escaped. Oh, oh, even... oh, 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 oh. Okay, here we go. He meets Adar, and Adar sets him free and tells him to deliver a message, right? I don't remember that. In episode four. I've, I've literally got the clip up here. So he's kind of, they're talking, they're talking, they're talking, and he's like, you've got to send a message for me. And oh, that's that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
that that's completely blocked out of my memory. I was like, oh, no, sure. I well, I, yeah, I think I think episode four and five were the weak ones for me. I like elements of them, but it's the fact that they spe- you know they they spend so long crawling along in this narrative, and you know when and there's a lot of dragon. Eat- you just want to get to see. You just want to get to episode six, don't you? I want you to know? see action, and then give me get, all. Yeah, give me exactly. all. Where's the Balrog? Uh, the Balrog is going to be in season two. We we saw. Yes, the trailer. Go away we that was, Balrog. Uh, yeah, we were so why excited. why put the Balrog in the trailer? I'm sorry, but this is another weird marketing thing. Why are you putting it in? What what? Only why? for one second. Only it's for weird. one second in the show, we get to see one Balrog just getting mad. For some reason, well, and in the books, in the books, Sauron had Balrogs working for him in the wars, so we might see some of that, maybe. Oh, multiple Balrogs! Oh, yeah. oh, you know, it'd be really cool. Gandalf fighting multiple Balrogs. That would be interesting. I feel like that would be very interesting. And then, so when he meets the Balrog in Fellowship of the Ring, it's like the rematch. The rematch. <laughs> it's the rematch of the century. Gandalf. Shall not the Balrogs. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Sorry. Uh, either, oh, that yeah, Gal- or, either that or ba- Gandalf becomes friends with the Balrogs. And he's like, hey, guys, you can pass. And then in Lord of the Rings, where he's like, you can't pass. It's a big moment. He's like, <laughs> it's like that one Balrog just like ruined everything. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah. I, I know that maybe, one Balrog. Maybe a, Bal- maybe a Balrog kills all the Harfoots. No, that's not happening. That would be that's super dark. That would be super dark. I wonder. I don't think we're going to see all the Harfoots in season two. I think no. it might just be Nori. And then maybe in season three, we'll see the, all the Harfoots again. Because I feel like, you know, that moment where she leaves the Harfoots was very emotional. And yeah, I feel like, you know, we'll get to see them again. The final thing that we, we, need, we need to talk about is Galadriel herself, the main character, uh, yes. arguably. See, I like Galadriel sometimes. Other times, I do not. <laughs> um, I feel like, especially early on, her characterization is so just like, I want to find Sauron. I need to find Sauron. She's that... hell-bent on doing this thing. And and it does feel, because she's so hell-bent on it, you can't really get that opportunity to explore other things. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't really explore what her life is like otherwise. But then as we continue throughout the show, there are some really great moments. There's that moment where she talks to Theo about Celeborn, her husband, who is maybe dead. I mean, we know he's not dead. He's in, he's in Fellowship of the Ring, but, you know, like, she thinks he's missing or whatever. And, and there are moments where, you know, she will talk to, like, Elrond, and and and, and those moments generally are strong for her. I, I think that she's a really interesting character and really compelling, and I think that there's a lot to explore there with her. But yeah. I don't. I, I think sometimes she was very one note, but excellently portrayed. Again, the acting in this show is all brilliant. I have no. I mean, apart from I, I wasn't very sure about the choices for Halbrand. Other than that, I think the acting was wonderful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And with Gladriel, she was very one note, as you said. But I thought it was very empty on some certain stuff. Like there wasn't really like moments that I can connect like with her. But the acting, yeah, the acting. Yeah, uh... I think a big reason why Gladriel is difficult is because the opening of the show, the prologue, is the most confusing thing you will ever see. <laughs> you know, oh, while why? In... Why? <laughs> While in 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 Lord of the Rings, in Fellowship of the Ring, the the prologue is concise and easy to understand. In this one, there's so much going on, and you're unsure: has Sauron been defeated? Has he not been defeated? How does Morgoth fit into this? And like you know, oh, we yeah. then pick up with Gladriel on her hunt for Sauron. I feel oh, like yeah. that makes her character very difficult to get with initially. But there are like some great moments, like when she jumps from the ship at the end of Episode One. I thought that was Rich. just like really cool. Yeah, I 
I, I agree that was really cool as well. Yeah, I can understand why the prologue can be confusing. Like, there was so much going on, like, mm. oh, yes, my brother. And then he died. <laughs> he got killed by uh, Sauron. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit confusing. But I I just followed and, like, okay, that's mm. where we are. I mean, hey, then... it, was, it was six weeks ago for me. So, I mean, or seven weeks ago. So, in fairness, um, you know. You only just watched it, so you probably remember a lot more about it than I yeah. do. Well, I, I'm I, just understand. Like I understand. I understand you're like, I don't know what's happening. Who's that character? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but... I mean, it's like it's like a lot of TV shows. I think that this show will definitely benefit from a rewatch because, you know, there's I am 100% in favor of the weekly model of TV. I'm not a huge fan of releasing everything at once. And, you know, being able to watch something and then think about it is very important. You know, you spoke about Andor earlier, which is an amazing show. I'm watching every episode twice. And I feel like that's really helping me kind of get through it. You know, whereas with this show, I should have probably watched the episodes twice. It would, re- I feel like it would have been beneficial. So I guess when we come to talk about season two in a couple of years, when I, and I'll probably rewatch season one, there'll definitely be a lot more that I will notice and probably appreciate about the show. Yeah. And what I'm really happy with, with the show is that they explored everything. The characters were well, mm. emotionally intact. Um, and then there was like so many beautiful moments, like that singing. Yes. Nori's friend. Yeah. Nori's yeah. friend singing. And especially, you know, the last scene where they made the three rings for the elves. And yes. that was a great, great way of like ending the show because, you know, in the beginning of Lord of the Rings, they tell you about the three rings that were created. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder, like, how were the rings were created? And it just goes mm. back, explores everything, you know, like Mithril. It's very interesting that this whole show, I was like, I wonder whether they are going to make any of the rings in season one. I was prepared for them not to. But I think it's very interesting that the, the, the whole Mithril plot line is very much like getting to that point of making the rings. And that final moment when they're all standing over it, it's got this kind of sinister edge because you know where it's going. And I thought that was really cool. And uh, yeah, I think that was a really good way to end the show. Having the first three rings, only 17 more to go. And oh, I really, boy. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I have to say though, did you notice the the song that was playing at the end? It was very, it was a weird song. It was it, a no, weird, weird song. So that is that is the the I don't know. The, the I, I don't think I listened to it. I don't that, think I that, listened to it. That's the rings poem from the books. You know, like three for the elf for the oh. for the elves. You know, it, under the sky. Seven for the dwarf lords in the halls of stone. Nine for immortal men doomed to die. You know, one ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all in the land of Mordor. When the blah 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 blah. But the fact that they were singing it, I was like, this is weird. This is just weird. If you just played music, just orchestral. Again, the music in the show is beautiful. Bear McCreary, great, great score. Again, you can't fault this show on a technical standpoint, but like the the song they ended it with, I was just laughing. I was watching it last night and I was like, this is just goofy. Like, this just doesn't fit the tone of it at all. It's like, this yeah. is just weird. Wait, was it like cheery? Was it like cheery? I, no, I just... it was, no, it was, it was kind of, it was pretty eerie. So if it, it fit the, it fit the tone in its melody, but it's the fact that it had lyrics that were singing about the rings. It's just... It, it just felt it just feels weird you know like oh, I, yeah all the weird. all the all the middle earth things you know all the movies so far end with the song and i think you know all the songs like work especially into the west into the west in return of the king is such 
uh, emotional piece of music. It makes me tear up every time I think about it. But this one just kind of felt weird. It just it, I was just kind of sitting there like, this is a bit odd. This is a bit strange, I think. But yeah, I think that's all I have to say about Rings of Power. Yeah, um, actually, a really good start to yeah. now exploring Rings of Power. It's really good. It's really good content if you want to explore the origins of the world. Yeah, and there's a lot more to explore. We haven't seen any Ents, no spiders, no dragons, no goblins, no trolls. There's so much more that we can do. And I definitely think that over five seasons, we'll really get a, you know, a great breadth of all the different things in Middle Earth. And I'm sure that season five will end with the last alliance between men and elves. Sauron's defeated. I can't wait. So yeah. I guess we'll pick back up in 2024. Yeah, maybe. Woohoo. <laughs> this is definitely going to be the longest podcast since The Hobbit, probably. Because <laughs> there was so, so much, much to talk explore. about. Yeah, so much to talk absolutely, about. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, what are you going to give Rings of Power out of 10? A seven or an eight, but I'm thinking seven. Yeah, I'm going seven as well. Its highs are some of the best Middle Earth content. It's really um, good. It's really good if you. It really want to is. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely watch it. Make up your own mind. Don't listen to people on the internet. Make up your own mind. Come at it from a from a perspective that isn't listening to a lot of the bigotry out there. And if you are the bigots, I don't know why you're listening to us. Please leave. Um, Get out. So whoa. Get out! Whoa, that was so loud, but appropriate. Sorry. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Sorry for the microphone users. If I'm sorry. You, if you're if listening you... to headphones, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, rest in peace, headphone users. If you enjoyed it, if you're watching on YouTube if you and you enjoyed it, give it a like, and you can subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow us and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. And next week, we're going to be talking about She-Hulk. Okay, but the week after that... Black Adam, baby. <laughs> Hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. Yeah, baby. Now that, that I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited and, for that. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Time Film Pod. And you can send us an email, tell us your thoughts on Rings of Power, ask us questions, and we will reply to them right here on the podcast if you email us at alstimefilmpod at gmail.com. We thoroughly enjoyed talking about Rings of Power. Give it a watch because if you just listen to us, it's like, oh my god, wings of power, it's so good. But it just, just watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's that, great. that, that is what we sound like. Oh my god, John, rings oh my of god, power. Oh my it god, was, it was incredible. Power. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for listening. We enjoyed talking, as I just said Absolutely. before. Absolutely. Yes. You yes. Did say that. Yep. It's true. Yeah. Spooky. It's spooky month. Uh, and. <laughs> There's, there's like no other way. Every like... no, every pod in in October, it is it has to happen that you just randomly say it's spooky month. Spooky month. Ooh, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, what She-Hulk? Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. If you watched She-Hulk, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Anyway, thank you for listening again. Take care, be good, and be safe. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.